Welcome to this podcast on the topic of future manufacturing. My name is Paul Hunter. When startup off-road Australian manufacturer Tomcar sought government assistance in the early 2010s to strengthen the foundations of the company, its founder, David Brim, expressed the frustration he felt in 2017. It was the fact that because Tomcar outsourced the physical production process of its supply chain, We were always penalized by the government because we weren't seen as a manufacturer in their eyes. Insisting that production is only one of seven steps in manufacturing, Brim was following thousands of companies that had outsourced or offshored their production function permanently. The government had a point though. Its objective in supporting manufacturing was to increase homeland employment, the majority of which could be found in the physical production process. There seemed little value in subsidizing companies that had moved that activity offshore. Today, the reverse is true, as governments have a much greater appreciation of the scope of manufacturing. At the same time, it makes more sense for many corporations not to offshore. That at least is what seems to be the case on the surface. This podcast is presented in two parts. In the first podcast, we challenge the traditional perceptions of strategic thinking. First, by proposing that a re-emergence of localised manufacturing can be brought about, without having to onshore the high-volume, commoditized production that is made overseas. Second is the means to do so by thinking about the supply chain as a supply system. This idea is discussed in the context of Incitec Pivot through their proposal to split the company into two. In the second podcast, we look at the issues associated with building momentum in the transformation to a new era of industrialization. To do this, we explore some of the strategic issues faced by the global automotive parts manufacturer, Robert Bosch GmbH, and the Australian-based family company MTM Controls. I'll hand over to Ryan now to present the first part of this podcast. Although there is an immediacy to react to the challenging global forces at play, manufacturers must take a longer-term perspective. To make the most of their strategic thinking, They must weigh up in detail the implications and opportunities arising from the following circumstances. First is the huge impact expected from the digitalization of technology. Second is the seismic shift arising from changes in geopolitical circumstances. Third are the significant societal trends that are an outcome from the waning influence of baby boomers, combined with changes in working arrangements in a post COVID 19 world. In other words, It's time to rethink long-term corporate strategy, and continue to do so for some time. Often resistant to change, corporations and governments too, must accept the inevitability that in the longer term, a new form of organizational structuring, and methods of manufacturing will evolve. Similarly, it is likely that onshoring, the idea of bringing back outsourced production capabilities is not an option. Among the myriad of reasons why, there are three that stand out. First is the fact that the enormity of capital required to undertake such a move is prohibitive. Second is the problem that the complexity and continued gap in comparative wage rates remains impossible to fill. Third is the fact that the skills and expertise required to operate in-house will at best take time to develop and at worst are not available at all. In support of retaining the offshoring option it is apparent that international trade continues unabated, or at the least is recovering at least for most goods produced, even though acrimony on an intergovernmental basis persists. I'd just like to make the comment here that it's the Strategic Management Institute's view 
that a re-emergence of localised manufacturing can be brought about without having to onshore the high-volume commoditised production that is made overseas. The desired outcome can be achieved through an ambidextrous approach to change. This can occur when cash flow from the high-volume offshore production businesses are applied to the development of new high-tech onshore industries. In reality, the latter is the future of manufacturing anyway, and it won't look anything like that in existence today. In seeking the means to adapt to the manufacturing operating environment of the future, it is useful to revisit the regrettably now defunct Tonkar's decision to outsource production. To do so is to identify the real issue that manufacturers face when defining their strategic role within an integrated supply chain. To make it as effective and efficient as it can be, the so-called end-to-end process shouldn't be treated as a process at all. Rather, it should be treated as a supply system, a concept recognized by CEO David Brim. When he elected to outsource the manufacturing component of the supply chain to an organization better equipped to undertake that task. Similarly, corporations in general can't be defined by any one industry anymore, but rather a cross-section of a variety of different industries. Manufacturing is a typical example of this perspective. It isn't an industry either. It is a sector residing within a broad range of complex interactions that today barely resemble an industry at all. Car manufacturing is no longer a part of an automotive industry for example, it is instead a cog in the wheel of a mobility system. These realities make it hard to determine where manufacturing sits, within the mix of industry types, and how a single corporation can optimize its stakeholder value within that context. An analysis of fertilizer and mining services company Incitec Pivot, provides insight. As a spin-off from mining services company Orica, Incitec Pivot, in a reverse play acquired Dino Nobel, once a competitor to Orica. Incitec Pivot's justification in making the acquisition was that, both were nitrogen-based manufacturing businesses at their core. The outcome meant that Incitec Pivot operated in two distinct industries, mining and agriculture, and two distinct markets, mining services and fertilizer. Quite recently however, the company sought to split into two on the basis that although the core ingredient ammonium nitrate was the same, their customers were not. There are however, more subtle differences in the way each division of the company would operate. While the agricultural division provides a depth of technical support to farmers, it is essentially a commodity supplier of fertilizer that relies on its fine-tuned supply chain, to deliver a competitive advantage in areas other than price. The mining services division on the other hand, has far greater depth. It operates an integrated supply chain system that offers a promise to partner with customers to optimize their mining operations. Mining services supply system includes the procurement and supply of ammonium nitrate which is then mixed with other chemicals on site, followed by the management of the blast. It also collaborates with Sandvik Construction in the provision of training services, addressing best practice explosive operations. Although different industries, the service solution for each, could in effect, be the same. Had Incitec Pivot adopted the same supply system in agriculture that it offers in mining, the decision to split may not be so attractive to shareholders. That's not because the added services would increase sales income alone. It's also because the systemic, collaborative approach to business relationships opens the opportunity for green shoot strategies and other innovations to emerge. 
Just to clarify, GreenShoot strategy is defined by the SMI as a method of identifying new opportunities for growth to emerge from two areas. The first is the leveraging of synergies found in living systems as opposed to processes. The second is the value found in corporate collaborations, which are a source of opportunity from the implementation of deliberate and sometimes disruptive strategies. Although different industries, the service solution for each division at Incitec Pivot could in effect be the same. As with many companies, Incitec Pivot is extremely competitive in what it does but could also benefit from establishing a robust picture of what it could be. It is suggested in this podcast that the adoption of the SMI's third-wave strategy concepts would have brought to their attention an apparent overemphasis on the resource element of the SMI's strategic architecture and an underemphasis on the marketing elements when it acquired Dino Nobel. Just to explain, the strategic architecture provides a structure to strategy that consists of four elements. Two contribute to an inside-out resource-based perspective. The other two are outside-in market-focused perspectives. The inside-out view is made up of its strategic assets, such as specialist machines, competencies and brands. It also includes the activities known as transforming activities. They are the things an organisation does to improve its resource base. The outside-in market-focused elements are at specialist markets and market positions, generally measured in terms of market share. The second is also activity-focused, that of differentiation, which in turn is defined as the things an organisation does to maintain or improve a competitive advantage. In focusing only on its resource base, Incitec Pivot missed the opportunity to include some important marketing elements of the strategic architecture. They could have been useful in the identification of differentiation as a source of sustainable competitive advantage. The company was apparently not conscious of the effectiveness of the differentiating activities it was already conducting to remain competitive in the mining services marketplace. In a nutshell, Incitec Pivot saw the supply chain and indeed, the industry as a process, not a system. With such a strong focus on resources, it did recognize the basis for its transforming activities, those associated with continual improvement. When seen as an integrated, living system, Both mining services and agriculture could have been combined, notionally at least, to form a system-based dynamic service solution. It would then have seen the opportunity to add additional services that would otherwise not have made any sense. The agriculture division could then have ramped up its service solution to manage the delivery and dispersion of its fertilizers on the crops owned by the farmers. This could potentially have evolved into a service providing a total crop management system. Following that, Both divisions could also supply machine maintenance services, as they are for themselves, so why not their customers? Another is administration and strategic analytical data. If they were both on site, engaged in the management of crops and mineral extraction, they would have access to data tracking inventory movements. This would automatically lead to an opportunity to provide a logistics service, which would see Incitec Pivot take control of the management of materials at all stages of the mining and farming activities. I hope you found that interesting. I look forward to catching up with you again in part two of this podcast, where we explore ways to build momentum in the transformation to a new era of industrialization.